0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Medtronic. Medtronic is dedicated to the pursuit of life-transforming health tech. From AI to robotics and beyond, we're reinventing what's possible, and we're just getting started. Visit Medtronic.com to
1: learn more. LinkedIn presents...
0: Welcome to Brown Table Talk. I am D.C. Marshall, founder and CEO of Diverse and Engaged. I am a top WBE CEO and a LinkedIn top voice, and I'm here with my co-host, Mita. Hey there, Mita.
1: Hey there, D.C. Marshall. I'm Mita Malik, a LinkedIn top voice, a business leader, a Wall Street Journal, and USA Today bestseller. Go check out my book, Reimagine Inclusion, and most importantly, A Mom. And
0: Mita and I started
1: Brown Table Talk as a place
0: to spill the tea on the hard truths women of color face in their workplaces. And it's from my perspective as a black woman. And for Mita, her view as a South Asian woman and at our table, we unpack it all. We don't leave any juicy details out. And you know this if you've been tuning in. And then we provide you tips at the end And they're tips that you need, not on how to survive, but how to thrive in organizations wherever you are. All right. So Mita, my friend, let's get into it. What are we
1: talking about on today's show? So Dee, I wanted to do a part two. We had talked about this a little bit during the episode where we talked about how did you become a Wall Street Journal bestseller and the commentary I was getting. And I wanted us to talk about why do we keep getting minimized? Why do we keep getting minimized? So friends, you know, Dee and I will be spilling some tea, sharing some juicy stories and leaving some tips at the end. But Dee, even as you and I were talking about the title for this episode, and you all know this episode, this podcast is really a reflection of our deep love and respect and admiration for each other. You all get this stuff live. And so we do a lot of prep behind the scenes, but then when we get here, it's live. It's our real interactions and feelings. And we said even like, Do we call it what to do when we get minimized? I'm like, I'm tired of the what. Let's talk about the why. Because you have a story that you wanted to share that I wanted to get into about a recent interaction on this minimization.
0: Yeah, well, interesting. This story is an encounter that I had with a, let's say a new friend. So somebody who I have not known for longer than a year. So they are fairly new network. Let's just say a woman, a black woman, This isn't just uh, limited. And, And we share, if you've been following the show, we share where appropriate because it's either going to add clarity to the story and some things that are uniquely our experiences that have to do with just the dynamics and intersectionality, but some things that are just pretty much, they just are what they are and sometimes mimicking behavior. But in any event, it was a new colleague and we were working on something and talking about something. And she knew I ran a business. Uh, We're working on a volunteer project. She knew I ran a business and she mentioned something about, well, how was your day? And, you know, what are you up to? And some reference to me being at home. And then when I said, Oh no, you know, I'm in my office, our corporate headquarters is in, is in New York, New Jersey. And I might've made some references to the team or coming from a team meeting. So there were two references that I don't think she was expecting. And that was that I wasn't an entrepreneur working out of my home and there's nothing wrong with that. Lots of people are also high growth and scaling and doing big and great and wonderful things in that scenario. But that's not my scenario. But the two pieces of information that I think jarred her a bit was, oh, she said, oh, you're like a real, real business owner. And I was like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. She goes like, oh, you like have an office and a, like a team. And
1: did she Google you?
0: <laughs> I know, right? Like, I'm sorry. I wasn't really surprise, but it did add further clarity to something that I have been thinking about or something that has shown up for me over the last couple years. And it's about encounters that I've had and how I think people just like to put me in a box and put us in a box in a lot of ways. Um, but I'll talk about me specifically. Right now, it was just being put in a box. Like I'm wondering if I was a if i was not a black woman would that have even been a thought if i said you know i run a company or i don't know I, it led me to pay attention to the response and the reaction and when i am in spaces of just how people just will automatically put you put you in a box like i don't know that she could fathom that we have corporate headquarters we have a team our clients are fortune Five hundred, actually Fortune ten across tech, C-E-G. Uh we, I, my team, they're super bad all day, and we are advising, consulting multinational, multi billion dollar companies, and I say it like that because. I think because it's necessary, because what I'm doing is I'm managing the narrative. I'm having to help people course correct so that you don't play me and you don't get played. And so I'm having to say our baseline for the team is multinational, multi-billion. are our clients. We have presence across Europe, Asia, and the Americas. And what I mean by that is it's not that we're just we have clients who are Fortune 10 and they have a presence there. It's no, the work that we're doing is there. So much so we have to have translators in China. I asked my project lead, hey, so now whatever, what's going on? I saw this focus group and what happened with China? And she's like, ah, they don't speak English. We have to get translators. I said, I told the client, I asked the client. I asked the client. So let me come back to this conversation. The conversation we're having right now, Mita, again, and that's a big deal. That is a big deal. It is a big deal. But I think looking at me, you wouldn't necessarily draw that conclusion. And I'll end with this. I find as a Black woman, that that's not the first thought. And I always wonder if I was a white cis male, and I said, I own a business, would you automatically go to, oh, wait, are you at home? Like, do you have a home office? Oh, you have an office? Oh, you run, you mean like you run a real, like, is that even the conversation? So there you go. That's my story.
1: I mean, if you were a white man would be, be even having this conversation. And that's why we love having allies here at the Brown Table Talk because I don't know, because would you have, and you have to, it's like, you're pulling up the receipts. And you have to keep managing the narrative over and over again. And I can hear it, friend, like the exhaustion in your voice. It's like, so that's what I want people to think about as they're listening to this conversation, as Dee's sharing all of this, like what I felt was the exhaustion and the emotion of having to do this over and over again, where you have proven yourself, you have the receipts, you are building a major company And the fact that, and it's fascinating too, we all have bias. We talk about that. So as you said, we bring up identity when we know how someone identifies and when it gives us a lens and relevancy into the conversation, because this was not a white man who had made this assumption. This was another black woman who made an assumption. So that's important too, because we all have bias. And so that's the lens in which we see the world. And it's important to bring in those identities when we know how people identify and when we feel like it could give us a different view into the story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it also goes to prove, I say, mimicking behavior and one mimicking behavior and and two, just unconscious, just bias. And I have done work and recognized my bias. I think I've told a story about getting on a plane many years ago and and it was a small plane and a female was flying the pilot. And my immediate reaction was a reaction. And then I caught it like, oh, wait, D, that's bias. You're used to seeing. It. And so we all have it. So, but I want to go back to you and then another story. It's like, how many people, when you walk in the room, because we talk about you being unassuming, would know your background, your C-suite executive, you've run diversity, equity, and inclusion, multicultural marketing for a major for a fortune, what like a global fortune 10 and even now, or would they, do they automatically downgrade? Oh, she's, you know, are you like a senior manager? Like what do you do at your company?
1: Like yeah, you tell us about it, Frank. I got two sides, two stories. I haven't shared this with you yet. See, y'all, I, I saved this for you. <laughs> Sacrifice my friendship with D. I saved this for this, these we conversations. We do, we do. Right. We
0: don't tell stories offline. Go ahead, um, let's hear it. So
1: it's, the book's been out for a bit. I went to an evening event for the book. Someone had invited me and we were doing a talk about the book and I was taking the elevator up with someone who I believe identified as a white man. I can't be 100% sure. We're, chitty ch- we're chit-chatting, having some chitter, walking in. I think he finally realized that I was the author of the book and he was completely floored. Like floored. Now, it could have been that, you still want to give people the benefit of the doubt. It could have been that he was just like genuinely shocked that I was down to earth and just chatting because that is who I am. I met someone recently who was like, you are who you come across in social and on your podcast. And I hope that's how my parents raised me. Like stay humble, hustle hard. I hope that... People are not disappointed when they meet us in person. So I do think there was probably that piece that he was just like, oh, wow, like, this is you. This is your book. Like at the end when he realized I was the one doing the talk. But I also like, here's the thing I have a hard time figuring out because I have, I come with so much baggage. I try to show people kindness and grace. It could have been that he was just like surprised and excited that I was down to earth? Or or is it that he was shocked? I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure it out. Because too often, and I feel and I hear you being in a place where you're trying to manage the narrative as you should be. And I'm exhausted of managing the narrative. So oftentimes, you've been with me where I go into rooms and spaces and places. People don't assume I'm the one who's written the check, or I'm the one who is going to be the speaker, or I'm the one who's going to sign the check for the client. And I'm just kind of like, okay. Some days, D, I'm like, okay. And if I have a girlfriend there, like you, who's going to be like, no, she is the boss. She is the one in charge. You're fine. But it's exhausting. The minimization is exhausting. And so yes, I have the receipts, but I got to pull them up every second of every day and every interaction. And so sometimes I'm just quiet and I'm like, you'll figure it out when you need to figure it out. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Medtronic. Medtronic is dedicated to the pursuit of life transforming healthcare
0: technology from artificial intelligence to robotics and beyond. Health tech is reinventing what's possible. Every year, Medtronic improves the lives of 74 million people. And we're just getting started. Visit Medtronic.com to learn more
1: what I do here.
0: Yeah. I have another, I have another story or I guess example of how this plays out. I heard this from a millennial who is a founder of a very successful firm and she shared the minimizing showing up in this way. The response that she would get from corporate is who helped you build this? Or like, wait, is your, whose company is this? Yeah. So like, this is a millennial. So I want you to get millennial woman, founder, female founder, millennial, young, gorgeous, and her engagement with C-suite at Fortune 10, Fortune 500, or questions like, now, how did you do this? Like, how do you tell us the story? How'd you, how'd you get here? Right? As if to say, that somebody or somebody helped you, and I think the question was, "Oh, and who helped you do this? Did you build this with your father?" So, yeah. So, so that's how minimizing also shows up. If you're a millennial and you've done something, you've built a company, you're a founder. Sometimes, if you are a female, you are a woman of color. That's the minimizing. It's like that you couldn't possibly have have done this, or like who. But yeah, like who helped you? Like as if there had to be someone else that helped you. And so I always, I thought that was that was interesting, but the minimizing, it is exhausting to manage the narrative. I think my default though is managing the narrative and ways that, you know, that I, I have done that. I think online, you have heard me talk about a little bit of social anxiety about, the, oh, usually in where I know my clients are, okay? But also managing perception on YouTube. So I'm not perceived as a YouTuber because I was at the time when I was trying to manage CEO. Actually, that's the backstory. Hanging out on IG because I notice a lot of my clients are not over there. So I'm more comfortable there.
1: I see it's the strategy. To the allies listening, it's just the amount of emotional tax. Even as you're saying this, you're spending all this time thinking through this and you've built a strategy around it. And I don't know how many white men have to do that. And maybe they do. So again, if you are, please reach out. We'd love to hear your stories. But I wonder too, and we haven't talked about this yet because I haven't had the energy. We're going to maybe have to have a dinner and then share with the community. The diversity, equity, and inclusion backlash is real. It's here to stay. I wonder if the minimization is increasing because of that. I can't tell. Maybe not. Maybe I'm more sensitive to it. Maybe it's always been there maybe we are also growing our platforms and having access to more opportunities and people. So that's probably a piece of it too. But I wonder, I wonder about that minimization piece and how much it's directed. And and again, this is the Brown Table Talk podcast. Thanks for being here. Dee identifies as a black woman. I identify as a South Asian brown woman. And so we're talking about our experiences of being minimized. And do more women of color feel more minimized because of the DEI backlash? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But I do know that I've been feeling it more, probably recently in the last year or so. Yeah. And I think this is a, a conversation
0: about equality from a gender gender equality perspective. And I typically don't, we typically don't have conversations specifically around gender equality because, as you just mentioned, we're here really talking about the intersectionality and and where we are left out of the conversation around gender. However, I do think part of minimizing at the intersection is women not being equal or that as, as the undercurrent, as the bias, right? Because there's always stuff subconsciously that we don't think about that is part of why, right? We're in the experience on both sides, on both sides. So I thought about, okay, what's the, if we go back to the history of women in the workplace and then go back to, again, people of color, women of color, I think that's where the minimizing comes. It's like, because we never started as equal, right? In this country, gender, we never started as equal. There were men first in the workplace and then women. And then again, you have even, black people and people of color. So that's a part of this subconscious.
1: Oof. The other thing I'll share before we move to tips is we've moved a while ago now to a suburb and both my husband and I are really busy working and it's hard to meet people. It's hard to adult D. It's hard to make adult friendships. It's difficult. It's difficult. You try to, you try to use your children, right? If your children are hanging out, you can give be friends. But we we ended up going, this is a while ago. We were at someone's home and the man who is sitting there, who is the father of one of the children who our children know, was in conversation with my husband. And one point later on stops and says to me, oh, you work? Like sort of surprised by something that was said in the conversation. The conversation, it's a group conversation. It's been going on for a while. And one of the men says, oh, you work? he was sort of like surprised and, but that's not the first time it's happened and it won't be the last. And so I'm always very clear to say, yes, I am a mom. I work outside the home because parents who are the lead parent and aren't working in a company doesn't mean they're not working. Right. They're working in the home. I talk about this in Reimagine Inclusion, my new book a lot. First of all, the book is out and it's out of date because I'm sure someone's going to read it and say, we don't use that language anymore. I used to use working mother a lot. I used to use working mother a lot. But what does that mean? I no longer use working mother because I was trained to say working mother. But like, does that mean mothers don't, all mothers are working, all parents are working. So now I say I work outside the home. I work inside the home too. We all do, but I work outside the home. And so anyways, language evolves and changes. And so the bias we have about what people do or don't do or what we perceive them to do. I mean, I get the lot. It's really interesting. I get that a lot. People are surprised. So wow. a different form of minimization. It goes back to the gender piece and goes back to parenting. Yep. But you know what? I'm glad we didn't make this
0: about placing the burden on women of color to address it. I think, you know, for allies listening, it's, it's the awareness. I like to think that the show provides use value, high use value in awareness, just awareness. I'll say this before we go to tips. I use this thing or frame for allies and for men and they get it. They get it. I'll always say, think about your daughters, your niece, your granddaughter, and it always gets them. Like, think about like, I literally have to paint the picture of Your daughter, okay? Let's talk about your daughter. It's your daughter, okay? And how does that how does that feel, or how do you think that's gonna make her feel? Your daughter, your granddaughter, your niece. So they kind of it makes them think you don't have to give me an answer right now, just think about it.
1: And they're like, Oh just think about it. It does. You're like, oh, because all of a sudden it's someone close to you who's hurting. Then you're like, Wow, or somebody who is being harmed.
0: Yeah. But you know, I want to say this. I promise this is the last one before we go to tip. But I do want to shout out one of the things that Black men do really well, I think it's because of their little girls and they are accountable to their wives and the girls. And so Black men do really well. They don't do the minimizing. They do the opposite. It is a really sweet thing. And so I'm sharing that from my lens as a Black woman. I'm in a lot of spaces and and a lot of times when there is a black male executive i'm telling you i've been in rooms with high level executives black men and they start telling a story about their grandmother they start telling a story about their wife their and they and they and they say they say black my black wife now that's a whole nother show they'll talk about their girls all right so we're going to tips and so All right, so now we're gonna move quickly over here to tips on how do we do better with minimizing women of color. So, Mita, over to you for one and two.
1: So, number one, allies listening, I want you to rewind and re listen to what Dee shared at the beginning because I want people to be aware of, we've talked a lot about interrupting bias on our many episodes, but really to be aware of the emotional tax. And the mental labor is she's talking about having to manage her narrative over and over again. And I don't believe everyone has to do that. And so we ask ourselves why that is. The second one, Dee, I wanted to pull in what you talked about in terms of gender. This is something I brought up in Reimagine Inclusion too, and I talk about at work a lot. If we would make this assumption about a woman, would we make it of a man? So stop and ask yourself, if you're going to wonder why Mita works outside the home, is that something you would ask her husband? assumptions we make about people. And then D, number three, over to you. All
0: right. Number three is really easy or maybe not. It's carry on the conversation. Carry on and carry on the conversation, meaning allies listening, have the conversation offline. Is this a conversation that you could engage or facilitate at work. This helps to really improve on the environment and the culture at work. So those are our tips for today. Mita closing us out.
1: Thank you all for being here. We love you, Brown Table Talk community. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with someone who needs to hear it today. Please review, please subscribe, and we will see you next time. Side effects
0: of listening to Brown Table Talk may include allies unleashed, getting paid more, and a dose of badassery all the way around. More at www.browntabletalkpodcast.com.